You're listening to We Talk Clones. You can team wait. Guys, what what year is it? I think it's 2020. We're the Ion Cannon podcast, but are are we talking about Clone Wars today? I can't believe we we it's 2020, 7 years after the Clone Wars was canceled, 6 years after the Lost Missions came out. Mm-hmm. And we have new Clone Wars to talk about. And and another thing, we also have Mark Hurl with us who basically can trace it all the way back to we talk clones mm-hmm. so it is kind of a flashback going here guys it must be a wednesday it feels like back in the day for sure <laughs> <laughs> good one <laughs> yeah, very nice, good nice one. reference um what but, a good time though right i mean we get new star wars yeah i can't believe that we actually have more of the clone wars it's so exciting it really brings me back to where we first started the show you know we, we were uh, what, almost 12 years ago now, we started We Talk Clones, which became Ion Cannon, and we reviewed every episode of The Clone Wars. And so seeing it back on the screen again, seven years after the show was canceled, is just, it's kind of emotional, you know, to, to see all of our favorite characters back and finally get to, to, um, to, to see how all of this ends. And we're just so honored to have you on the show, Mark, to, to talk about The Clone Wars, uh, the first episode of Season 7 with us. I know it's so exciting. It's super exciting. But before we get into the review, uh, we actually have some uh, important announcements uh, in the last couple weeks since we uh, did our Mandalorian uh, uh, series season one recap, and we we took a couple weeks off. They've actually announced that the season two of the Mandalorian is coming in October. Uh, they, it, that uh, the streaming service will be back. Uh, Disney Plus will be back with season two of The Mandalorian a bit earlier than last year, which makes sense because Disney Plus uh, was launching in November, so they had to delay the the show a bit. Um, but we're gonna get season two. They're gonna be bringing back uh, some of the characters. We actually may see some spinoff series. They're considering a spinoff series based on uh, it sounds like new characters in season two, um, but maybe maybe some characters we saw in, met in season one as well. So uh, really exciting. I, I don't know about you guys. But I cannot wait. Uh, I cannot wait for Mando season two. In the meantime, though, we do have Clone Wars to tide us over until beginning of May. So we got lots of good content to cover. Uh, speaking of the Clone Wars, episode guides will release on StarWars.com on Mondays, just like uh, Resistance and uh, Rebels and the Clone Wars before it, which will be really nice to see. Um, and... Uh, and last but not least, there was a really cool uh, screening at Lucasfilm in San Francisco uh, for the first four episodes of The Bad Batch. And Dave Filoni hosted, uh, Lucasfilm hosted a, a Q&A with uh, Dave Filoni and D. Bradley Baker after the four episodes were screened. And they talked about some of the, uh, some interesting info on the, on the arc. We can't get into the full details because it's a little spoilery. Uh, and so we'll share them on the podcast as each episode comes out. But there are a few interesting tidbits, namely that 
the Bad Batch is the most true arc to the original Clone Wars series. Uh, apparently the next two arcs are a bit different, but they're very special, and each one represents something important to the finale of the series, and they kind of kind of build toward it. And it makes sense, right? They're capping off the clones and uh, maybe a, 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 f- a fan favorite character, and then uh, uh, kind of dealing with Ahsoka leaving the Jedi, and then uh, the the siege of, of Mandalore and the end of the uh, the Clone Wars. So, um, it, you know, I'm, I, I cannot wait. He also talked about how hard it was to actually dive back into the Clone Wars after all of this time. Um, you know, they, they want to make sure the episodes were accessible to everyone, even if you hadn't seen the rest of the series. And just for the cast and crew themselves, like, it was difficult because a lot of the... While a lot of the key employees are still at Lucasfilm, the technology has changed a lot, and they had to make a bunch of decisions on how much to update the visuals versus remain authentic to what came before. It was even hard for Filoni. Mm-hmm. He talked about it was mm-hmm. even hard for him to get back in the right mindset after working in other eras. He's like, okay, well, with the Clone Wars, okay, the, the politics are really complicated during that time frame. What was happening again, right? Because he'd been focused so much on Rebels and Resistance of the Mandalorian. He kind of had to um, go back and pull up all of his old all of his old notes. Um, but, you know, I, it makes I think, sense. You know, yeah. they, they tease that these episodes are going to be really special for fans and they really hope we like it. Um, there were some changes to these episodes um, and we'll talk about a couple of the changes later on the podcast uh, as well as, uh, as the next uh, few episodes air. But for the most part, this is all directly from George Lucas. So this is still George Lucas's story as he had envisioned it. And uh, it was actually, there's a really nice moment where Filoni got kind of emotional talking about uh, uh, the relationship with George. Let me, uh, let and, me, let me and play. And whose fault was audio. that, William? Let me play some of the audio from that. Mm. This season we have 12 episodes and three story arcs. And I'm sure it must have been incredibly difficult to pick those, those three storylines. Um, are there any other stories you wish you, you really you could have uh, fit into the the final season. I know you talked about a whole bunch of different potential storylines in the past that you guys are working on. Is there anything you really wish you could have gotten in? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just honest. There were... I like a lot of the stories, um, but we tried to pick the the kind of most pivotal ones, and we can see all 12 of them work together. And, you know, they are individual story arcs, but but they kind of... There's a point to it all. And uh, that'll that'll become clear. I mean, there are tons of great adventures out there, and you know, adventures had great stories mm. that that were planned. And there were there was other stuff with Maul that we didn't get to. And you know, it, it's, a, it's a tremendous amount of effort. Work. It's also something that, and this might be strange, but we were doing that many years ago. You know, I'm not the same person I was all those years ago. I've lost a lot of those people I worked with to make this show. Uh, they've moved on, their lives have changed. Um, I still am in contact with them. But for a lot of people, they have moved on. You know, To me, making Clone Wars is as much about the people uh, I got to make it with as it is the stories. It's just really important to me, it's how I'm wired. Um, I remember everybody that's involved with this stuff. I watched their kids grow up while we made this stuff. Uh, so it's, a really powerful thing you know for you it's strange to see you're watching it it's very bizarre for me and i think for the crew that worked on it and we're incredibly grateful that we got to do it um 
but I just don't know how I could do more of it. I, I love the Clone Wars time period, uh, and I think especially because I worked so directly with George on it, I have such a tremendous amount of respect for that. Um, yeah, it's, it's not the same for me to do without him. I'm really glad I got to do this, and I feel like I followed through on something that I promised I'd do for you guys. Thank you. Great question. Yeah, yeah totally yes. great question. So you know, it, mm -hmm. it was <clears throat> it was really touching to see Dave get a little emotional at there at the end. It's a little hard to hear, but he was starting to wipe his eyes a little bit um, because you know we, we all talk about how much we how excited we are to see the end of the Clone Wars and 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 finally get the the end of the story, but. For Dave, you know, he, he worked on this with George Lucas uh, for, you know, many years. And while they're returning the Clone Wars, George Lucas is not involved. And, you know, it's it's a kind of emotional for him. And, and so, you know, the, these 12 episodes will be the final the final episodes. Uh, but it's, it's really, it's touching to see, you know, to hear a little bit of insight into, you know, how it is for Filoni and the rest of the cast and crew to c carry on this series without George and many of the other people who were not involved originally. Thankfully, they were able to get all the key uh, cast and crew back. Um, but, you know, it's kind of a, it's an emotional thing to for them to return back to the show, too. And so it was a it was a really touching moment during the during the screening. Yeah, I mean, I just I can't imagine going back and revisiting a project that, I mean, as far as Floney must have thought, like, none of us would ever see the light of day, right? Like, that's why we got so many of the, like, little bits of it released here and there over, like, YouTube or via conventions, because Clone Wars was done. And yet, here we are. Yeah. And it shows the amount of faith that they had in Filoni on Disney's yeah. end. You know, they're like, clearly this guy is got the right stuff. I mean, they brought him in to help Favreau out. And honestly, I would love to see Filoni do more live action. I'd like to see him do a film at some point. I'd love to see him direct something live action I, in the film market. I think the best thing about it right now is Dave, because he learned from George how to tell Star Wars, that to me is where the stories are coming from. That that is the Star Wars stories I am enjoying because he took it directly from George. He's taking George's vision of the property and really telling good stories. He's And we've seen throughout the Clone Wars, he's taken genres and made that genre work within the Star Wars universe. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really appreciate. And, and, and honestly, that was a great question, William, and I could see me sitting there tearing up with him with that answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially talking about watching kids grow up with your coworkers and stuff. Yeah. Coming back to it and not having those people would have to make it a little bittersweet because you are finishing mm -hmm. up on those things. One thing I also love, though, is 
you know, Filoni also knew when to challenge some of Lucas's ideas because, you know, as we know, the creation of the Darksaber, it not being a vibroblade. And then in the Mandalorian, we actually see vibroblades in a live action Star Wars now. And you're like, yeah, I, I got excited. I'm just, I know that that was one of the things that we would never have had under Lucas because he was like, there's no way we have anything out there that can counter lightsaber. Not having it. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's a good partnership between the two of them. And I think that's what made mm. it, that's what made it so special. Didn't yeah. I see something recently, though, that he said that he's not afraid to contact George if he's stumped on something because he wants things to feel true to the in- original intent of Star Wars and Lucas's vision, though? I hadn't seen that quote directly, but I, I, I believe it, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that doesn't it go to show that Lucas still has a little bit, I wouldn't say say, but he was on the set of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if the proper people do refer to George and say, Hey, let me bounce something off you. I don't think it hurts for them to do it. No, I think it's the proper thing for them to do because it is technically, even though it's sold to, you know, the Walt Disney company, they can still go back and forth with him and get opinions about how do I keep the story going to keep it feeling like it is still star Wars going forward. Yeah. Yeah. And up until Lucas feels, you know, heckled or bothered by it, did yeah, absolutely, I would keep doing it. Yeah. I mean, at, at some point, I would feel as Lucas advances in age that he's going to enjoy having them reach out to him and so feel feel relevant still because I'm only forty and there are times where I'm like, Man, I just need to just wither up in the corner here. <laughs> oh God. God, don't 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 mention that. I'm much older than you, but I think <laughs> yeah, it's really yeah. I know that's okay. I've got my walker right behind me, and <laughs> and also my soup right next to me. So, well, but before we no, get I, into the our review of the episode, though, one more thing. Just since it's been seven years, let's do a quick thirty second recap of where the Clone Wars ended. For those of you who may have forgotten, and hopefully, hopefully everyone remembers. But um, in the final arcs of the Clone Wars, um, Maul amassed a, 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 a vast uh, army of uh, comprising of you know the pirates and the pikes and the huts and he went and he captured mandalore um satine was killed bo-katan goes on the run um maul uh is then captured by darth sidious himself who kills savage opress and uh with the the arc ends with maul saying to sidious i have plans for you um Ultimately, what, what happens after that is told in uh, one of the comics, but we will never see that on, on screen, it sounds like. Son of Dathomir. Exactly. Yeah, son of Dathomir. Um, and then in the next arc, uh, Ahsoka you know, is, is, is blamed for an attack on the Jedi Temple. It turns out it's actually Barriss Afi who's behind it, but she is uh, expelled from the Jedi Order, goes on the run, is hunted by clone troopers, and eventually uh, it, you know, her name is cleared with the help of Anakin. But uh, she makes the decision to not come back and leaves the Jedi Order and walks away into the sunset. And that was the that was the end. We, we learned a couple days later that they had canceled the series. A year later, uh, they released the Lost Missions on Netflix, um, where uh, uh, you know it starts with Fives un- uncovering the Order sixty six plot with the chips in their in their heads. And then ends up getting uh, fives end up, ends up getting uh, unfortunately killed and framed by by Palpatine, so the secret never makes it out. There's some episodes with uh, Rush Clovis and Mace Windu and Jar Jar Binks, which we referenced a few 
uh, actually a few weeks back in our review of uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, there may be a tie-in there. Um, and then, of course, Yoda going to Morband and learning about the Force and all that uh, awesome stuff. But we really never got a... And Sifo-Dyas episode. That was great. Uh, yeah. Yes. That was yes, good. Yes, yes, as, as part of all that. And we, But unfortunately, we never really got the... Um, we never really got the conclusion. That's where we pick up with season seven. Uh, they did also release the, um, uh, in addition to uh, <clears throat> Son of Dathomir, where you learn Maul's backstory a bit more, we got two unfinished story reels. And uh, these, these story reels uh, covered Crystal Crisis on Utapau, where we got like a, uh, a kyber giant kyber crystal that may be used for the death star and then of course we had the bad batch uh arc mm-hmm. so we have seen these next four episodes we're about to review we have seen them before like i said they have made some changes but they we, we've seen early previs versions of the arc where you know all the voice acting was done but nobody really moved at all it was very very basic movements um and stuff. So it's it's interesting to compare with the story reel now that the the episode has been released. And the story reel actually was released in April of 2015 at, at Celebration Anaheim. And then, wow. uh, last but not least, we had the Dark Disciple novel, which covered eight episodes of the Clone Wars and continued Ventress's storyline. There was one other thing. Do you remember when Filoni had dropped the little uh, reels of Boba Fett? And he talked about the yes. arc that he had planned. Yeah, so there was there's actually a lot, a lot more, many more arcs that were planned, and we'll have to go over them at at some point mm-hmm. uh, because there was, like you said, the the Boba Fett arc that was planned, uh, where Boba would learn a bit more about how to be a bounty hunter, um, by with uh, Cad Bane. Um, there was going to be an arc about uh, Kashyyyk. And where Yoda travels to Kashyyyk and, and kind of meets the, the Wookiees before Revenge of the Sith. Um, there was going to be an arc about, uh, we mentioned Ahsoka Return of the Jedi. Um, there was going to be, which we will see, but there's going to be a, like a Rex and R2, R2-D2 Top Gun style arc. There was going to be an arc <laughs> about the Yuuzhan Vong. Oh, uh, that would have been fun. Oh, yeah. Mm, Return yeah. to Moncala. There was a bunch of other arcs that they had planned, but... Those are the ones that were the ones I mentioned were the ones that were officially released in full, and uh, but yeah, now we return to the Bad Batch, finally getting to see it finished, uh, and then picking up. To, you know, they'll go and conclude Ahsoka's story and the siege of Mandalore. So with that, and Tom, what are we going to be reviewing tonight? Well, tonight we're going to be reviewing the Clone Wars season season seven, episode one, the Bad Batch. Directed by Kyle Dunleavy and written by Matt Mankovich and Brett Friedman. In this episode, Captain Rex and the Bad Batch must infiltrate an enemy base on Anaxis. It's really nice to see this finished because when we watched the story reels, it looked great. But now we get to see fully finished animation and it looked gorgeous. I, it's one of those things where like, you know, kind of like going back to a video game you haven't seen or played in like 20 years and you're like, oh, this looks like or when they I guess it's more like when they remaster a game. You're like, oh, this remaster looks how, how I imagined it used to look. Yeah. But it's actually way, way, way better. Yeah. Just I do miss the animation style of the Clone Wars like that. Mm. That was my big takeaway from watching this. 
Yeah, I'm kind of bouncing back and forth between the Clone Wars and watching Rebels, and they're just so different in style. Mm -hmm. The Clone Wars had... Rebels had its style, but there was a richness to the Clone Wars mm -hmm. that really shows now in these episodes. And from the way the technology was when they stopped this to now, I can see why they tried to sit there and make it look like it blended. But you got to admit, in the commercial where you see Ahsoka's face, where she meets her clone troopers, that was just, I'm looking forward to seeing that again, but this time in the episode, because you could tell that was a little bit of a, computer-generated advancement compared to what it was in years past. Well, this episode, just all out, man. It looked great. Think about the different major you know, animation styles between Rebels and the Clone Wars in the armor, right? You look at the Stormtrooper armor in Rebels, and you think about somebody taking that design and making it a 501st costume. It, it would yeah. look a little ridiculous but you can see 501st out of florida and those guys have taken those clone wars replicas straight off the page right off the screen and it is like oh my god that looks glorious yeah. you know when you see the, the the figures of rex and the 501st characters that i mean there's like three florida garrisons that have just nailed it like mm -hmm. better than anything and then that's that was what brought my son into star wars was the clone wars and i still remember the, the first time we met up in person all of us was there at anaheim and when we got to watch these reels and we were sitting in line together and what was it was it matthew wood sitting next with us with his son and i had no clue and william's like mark do you know who that is and i'm like no, like I had no idea who it was. And then William tells me, and I still didn't have any idea. And then later I'm like, oh my God, that's who that was. <laughs> like, like when we met, uh, uh, oh man, in, in the early morning when we met uh, the main speaker from uh, the, the, the first trailer, he does all the. Uh, Oh, you mean Anthony Bresnikan? Yes, Bresnikan. And I had no, I can't believe I slipped on Bresnikan. Sorry, no, man. That's okay. Uh, but uh, the fact that we sat there and you guys were having breakfast with him and I'm like sitting there like, I had no clue. I just felt so completely starstruck. But when we were watching those reels. I remember that. See, I, when I watched those reels, I remember thinking it was very unfinished. And so when I'm watching these episodes, I'm like, did I even remember? I'm like, I, I had to remind myself, no, you saw this. You yeah. know you saw this because yeah. you talked about it at nauseum. <laughs> and yet, like, I'm watching it now and I'm just like, like when, when the ships crash and you watch the crystals come up off the ground, oh. it was so unfinished. None of that was there at all. It was just like basic true. block rendering, very chunky movements. Um, I, I think the only thing that really came across as finished was the voice work itself. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. even then, I think there were times where they didn't have all the audio quite right or it wasn't at the right level or they were using stand-in audio but like that was i just remember wondering what it would have looked like and then when i'm watching it on my disney plus i'm just completely floored at all the details that i completely forgot because they weren't there and then i'm like man did i even watch this at all and then i watched the big uh, record guy grab that shield thing and go run and i'm like oh yeah i remember that scene yeah totally yeah <laughs> well you have to admit the the one thing that I don't remember from Star Wars Celebration, but what I loved in this, when the episode started out, you get the big booming narration again. But mm -hmm. I really like that little cross-dissolve of Admiral, Admiral Trench, like right there showing the battle going on, and then all of a sudden they're talking to Admiral Trench, and just kind of like faded right there as Admiral Trench, and you see everything going on on an axis. And then just to go right in to where you have, you know, um, Mace Windu and Anakin saying, you know, we're getting our butts kicked here. We're going to be losing this facility. We need to figure out a way to to solve this. That was was to see that fully rendered at this point, especially when you have ships flying in. When that uh, gunship came flying in, damaged, flying through the base, that's just 
gorgeous stuff that yeah. you finally mm-hmm. see fully rendered. Yeah, the, the animation in this this entire arc is top notch. I mean, Dave Filoni talked about one of the challenges uh, with bringing the Clone Wars back. In addition to not having the people, is the and, and also the tech changing, right, and and making it just difficult to bring the assets back. Um, but it was also just the fact that you know technology has improved so much. Do they go? How, how how realistic do they go? Right? How much do they change the art style versus stay true to form? And I think they struck the perfect balance in mm-hmm. this in this arc where the you know the movements seem much more fluid. Faces are incredibly expressive. Like oh my gosh, um, the lighting is gorgeous. Uh, yeah. and it was gorgeous at the end of the uh, near the end of the series too. But like the show has never looked this good, and yet it still feels like the Clone Wars. Exactly yeah. like yeah, you were yeah. saying, Stephen. You know, it, it's like, it's like what your mind wants to remember it being like, um, and and don't get me wrong, the end of the Clone Wars looked gorgeous, but this is, it you just know, like ten steps know, ahead. The little details are all there. Mm-hmm. It yeah. just, I don't know. It, yeah. well, it's really amazing to go back and just see all of this realized again. Even the cinematography. The details, you know, go ahead, William. Even the even the cinematography is just. Like this, the sweeping camera, uh, camera shots. You know, that it's like one long take when they're infiltrating the the um, the cyber center later. Um, mm-hmm. You know, all of that. If you go back, I actually went back and compared it against the story reel, and it's it's all in there. Um, yeah. But seeing it finished is just something. It, it it makes it a whole other level. And as you said, Mark, there were times where I was like, I know I watched this multiple yeah. times as an unfinished story reel, but seeing it finished is. A very different thing. Uh, well, the Bad and, Batch themselves, like, I, I didn't get an idea of how they looked because they were so unfinished. Mm-hmm. But watching this, it made me start thinking about where the Empire was in the process. Well, at this point, it wasn't even the Empire, right? It's it's still the Republic. But where they're at in the cloning process, because, you know, you know they're augmented clones. They were defective clones, but they had certain traits. But you're looking at them, and you can see a hint of Django DNA. But it yeah. almost looks like someone else's DNA has been put in each one of them mm-hmm. because they look distinctively different. Or as, as uh, the one guy said in the mandalorian it looks more evolved yeah, yeah. and i didn't kick i was gonna say didn't kicks bring that up to her once he sees the bad bats he's just like they're clones right and it was like yeah it's it's they just ended up being you know mutations or however it was put of the dna that the clones actually sadly and i don't see they were as much defective clones but it's funny how they consider them that when look at how valuable they are right now to the Republic. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely like the A team of the Republic. Exactly. Can we take a moment as well? Like, sorry, go ahead, William. Oh, sorry. I was going to say one more thing about the defective nature. The, um, you know, they are named the clone force 99 named after the defective clone 99. Right. Um, but, uh, which is a, a nice, a nice touch as they say in the show. And, honestly is um but part of me wonders like do you think they were like they just came out of the cloning process messed up and or or were they experimenting no. with variants because it sounds That's like nice thing. yeah yeah it, it, it feels very much like they were experimenting with other dna to get prime results because each mm-hmm. one like look at wrecker wrecker is massive and i think wrecker out of all of them is the one that sounds the most like Django. where each of the other ones the pitch and the tone and, and everything is off in such a way that you could almost believe that it was it was a mixing of Django dna with some other dna or at this point they're out of the Django dna and they're using clone dna with other dna to try to strengthen the clone dna 
Well, wasn't that something? Because I do remember I go back to, um, I think it was Rookies or whatever episode of The Clone Wars in which um, Shock T goes to the the main cloner and mentions that, you know, we're running out. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It was the main cloner was saying we're running out of clone DNA because of Django Fat, and we need to go find a different host. So that yep. was mentioned in The Clone Wars originally. Yep. Yeah. St- Steven, you had something? So you, you, Mark started to get out of it. like, let's. It's been so long since we've watched Clone Wars. Like, this is an episode that is entirely carried by D. Bradley Baker. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, absolutely, not the first time nor the last time that statement will be true. But like, every single character in this episode, short of Anakin and Mace Windu, at the first, you know, what two minutes of the episode is mm-hmm. D. Bradley Baker talking to himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even he's, Admiral Trench, he's Trench even too, Trench. isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I didn't even realize <laughs> wow. French. Like it, literally, only Anakin, Mace, and the droids are not D. Bradley Baker. Wow! <laughs> like the man he is does. Oh. He does such a great job of giving them uh, a distinct voice, where you can almost like what even without visuals, you can tell who is who. Mm-hmm. And it's, but you can also, like you said, you can tell they're all kind of that Django, uh, Django vet, Django Fett kind of base voice. It's just mm-hmm. each one has been slightly tweaked, and it's, it's. I like true. I mean, it's, I think it's astonishing. I don't know that I can think of another voice actor I've heard who can do the same voice in so many different ways and have right. it be, yeah, have it work. Yeah. And only Steve Stanton would be the only other one I'd put up in that I, category. Yeah. I mean, D like his, like the, the bad batch are, are very much more distinct than your, your, the regs, the regular clone troopers. Um, but so I think it's a little more noticeable, the, the differences there. And I think that helps show more of his range. But he also talked about how a lot of times the it's the regular clone troopers, the ones w- that are actually harder to nail because they're, mm-hmm. their voices are so similar and you have to, have to change right. the accent just slightly. Like it's a little more clipped or it's a little more relaxed. Um, right. But, you know, you, you well, can see like, you know, you, you can see you can you could picture exactly which clone it is just with their voice. And it just shows the incredible depth of talent that D Bradley Baker has and the fact that there were new scenes that they added in this episode. See, and that was, I I didn't know which were new and which, because I, the whole thing felt so new that there were only times where I'm like, okay, yeah, I do remember that. I remember that distinctly now. But what's crazy is that most of the audio was recorded when they were working on the episodes nine years ago eight nine years ago because right? it was canceled seven years ago so i think it was like eight nine years ago they actually recorded the the uh the audio the dialogue for this episode and deep came back i'm guessing a year or two ago at this point and re-recorded seven years later perfectly slipping back in to the old voice and you cannot tell a difference if you didn't point out right. what was the difference you would not be able to tell and that's what same with the animation, though. I mean, you're you're talking about how they updated it, and you you could have told me they hadn't, and I wouldn't have known. I right. mean, it, it looks gorgeous, but the the series itself got better every season. So I I mean, I didn't even think anything twice about that. That didn't even right. cross my mind. And and the thing that I liked about when you were talking about how deep was able to slide back into the character, you go back to the opening of the episode. The first two clones you see are Rex and Cody. Right there in the in the um, the command center with Mace and Anakin. Okay, so they're sitting here to 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 see them just right off the bat. It's like you're back to familiarity, 
And then that's where the story starts coming in, which if that was recorded seven years ago, and to see this now, you never would know. If he re-recorded those lines with both Rex and and uh, Cody right next to each other, you never would have known if they were brand new lines. Mm-hmm. But it's just great to hear that here are these two clones again. And in that center, you have Rex and Mace, uh, Rex, Mace, and Anakin, and Cody getting into the plot of the story. It's like, hey, we're getting our butts kicked. We need to figure out what's going on. And it comes out. There is the algorithm that Rex came up with that appears to be used by the um, by the separatist. Yeah. One thing I also really liked is that this episode takes place on the planet Anaxis, uh, which, if you'll remember, actually appeared in Rebels. This is the first time we've seen Anaxis in the timeline, but the Ghost crew actually traveled to Anaxis in season one of Star Wars Rebels, episode seven and nine. And in fact, it was this exact same base that they went to. Uh, and that's the one where they remember they, they went there and they ended up fighting off the fear knocks in the, nice. uh, in the okay, base. Okay, wait. Didn't I say that? I think I brought that up. I brought that up like, I think at one point, because if you watch closely yeah. on that planet, you see those creatures in the background. Yes, which I loved. And that's something that they never had there originally, but they were seven years later able to add a fear knock in the background. So yeah. it mm-hmm. tied in with Rebels. It's like a neat little detail to kind of throw yeah. in there. Yeah. The the interesting thing will be is when you, we see an axis now, what happened between Clone Wars and Rebels to make basically a whole bunch of debris or asteroids or whatever now in the atmosphere to where you're on an axis. Those creatures were not attacking anybody in the Clone Wars. I, I'm sorry, any of the clones. So what happened between then and basically back then and rebels to create all that debris to where there is stuff sliding past, you know, the sun and all the stuff to where these creatures could actually be on the planet. If there is shade for them to actually get out of the the cave, what happened? Who knows? I know. We'll never know. Yeah. I mean, it was cool to see those creatures, but yeah, but uh, they, as you said, Tom, they, they decide to attack the separatist cyber center because somehow the separatists are outsmarting their strategies, and you know, even Rex, when they're you know, Rex is pretty brilliant, and he's trying to come up with new strategies, but somehow they always seem to know his his playbook, and they're close to losing uh, an axis, which would compromise their reserve fleet. So mm-hmm. they decide to pull in the uh, the the bad batch and uh, go take out, or at least investigate the cyber center to find out what's going on, because the brains of the mm-hmm. operation. Uh, on the separatist operation, and hopefully they can find out what's going on. Um, now, that was Cody's call, actually. Yeah. Cody's the one that decided Cody, to bring in school, uh, tw- uh, 99. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, Mace Windu approves the mission, and Cody is the one who suggests bringing in Clone Force 99. Also, I want to take a moment real quick to talk about the... Uh, we forgot to bring this, bring this up earlier when we were talking about some of the animation, but the character models. Um, Mace's... The, all the characters have new models now. Mace's is a little more subtle, um, but both him and Anakin are wearing their Revenge of the Sith-style clothing, uh, and Anakin has much longer hair. The models just look fantastic. Oh, they, they look great. You know what I really liked? I liked the photo that Rex was looking at with him and Fives and Echo. That To see that within the Clone Wars... I thought it was really cool. 
Yeah. You know, that's a new scene. Yeah. That's I, one of the new I, scenes. Y- and I was gonna say, I really appreciate them adding a scene like that just because, you know, it's it, admittedly, it's been a while since I've seen the Clone Wars. Like, yeah. I don't remember all of the characters as well as I used to. So it's nice to just have a little bit of some of those little pieces to know, like, oh, like, obviously, Echo is going to play a large role in this. And this helps remind me of who Echo is, why he matters. Um, mm-hmm. It just it goes well, a long way towards, I think, making uh, it a little more a little easier to jump into after all these years. Right. It, it also reminds us for Rex Five's death wasn't that long ago, mm-hmm. right? And it's personal, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because and also it brings up more of him being introspective about the war. Yeah, yeah, because you know Echo, if you'll remember, he died on the Citadel in the season three episode Counterattack, and then Fives, as we mentioned earlier, dies when he uncovers the Order sixty six plot, and so it's kind of neat to see the the you know the two of them with Rex and Cody in a photo and. All of that's brand new. It was added to catch up the viewers on their relationship, uh, as well. And as that the, was seamless. Yeah, that I I didn't think it was brand new. I thought it was part of the story when I first saw it. So that was the coolest thing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so is the scene where um you know because they're in the barracks. Uh, the, the continuation of the scene where Rex admits that he thinks Echo is alive. Right. Um, that one I thought was an interesting addition. Uh, you know, Cody mm-hmm. doesn't believe him and says not to misplace his hope. Um. But in the in the original version of the episode, they immediately cut from the briefing with Mace Windu to the arrival of Clone Force ninety nine. Um, See, I couldn't remember that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I actually went back and rewatched the the story reel just so I wouldn't I, I, so I could compare the two. And they actually added this theory. So instead of you know waiting until the end uh, to to get a hint that Echo's alive, they start to plant those seeds early. And I. It's interesting to me. I don't know if it's just to help catch viewers up to speed again or, or what, because it seems to slightly dampen the surprise. Well, I don't know. What do, you, what do you guys think? I don't think it dampened the surprise. I think they basically laid the groundwork for when you had you had Anakin literally confront Rex saying, is there anything else? So, and it's interesting Rex didn't say anything flat out at that point, but they he did mention in that whole briefing that he and Echo used to bounce the stuff off of each other. Yep. So at that point, they laid the groundwork. And then to bring it around and add that extra scene to plan it a little bit further, to me, totally made sense. And I don't think it was that big of a shock that, oh, Echo's alive. It just kind of made it work, I think, easier. And I think I could take it easier this way that all of a sudden it would have been cool as a surprise, but I didn't think it hurt the story at all. Good point. That's a good point. I, I think I'll... Th- I'll take the other side. I actually did feel like it's it adds a little too much lead in. Like having Anakin prod at Rex, I think does a good enough job of it. And I mm-hmm. I would have loved to have the scene be a little bit more, a little more subtle about it. Not Rex necessarily saying, you know, uh, I think Echo is alive, but having him have you know some sort of commentary about you know he misses the old squad. Here's how they, these various characters have died. Both right. as a way to refresh on what happened to Echo and who is Echo. Uh, and remind you of what happened to fives and things like that, I think would have been a little bit of a better way to go about it. You still get the same impact and surprise at the end, but you don't forecast it quite as hard as the Rex saying, I think he's still alive. Mm-hmm. That's just my two cents. Okay. Yeah. Well put. Yeah. Good counterpoint. <laughs> the, yeah, good counterpoint. The other new scene is uh, a very brief one. After the, they leave the barracks, they start, they start walking with the... Uh, they start walking through the base and they're joined by Kix and Jesse. And the two of those clones, those two clones, 
comment on uh, Clone Force 99's tactics and how they have a 100% success rate, but it's how they win that concerns Jesse, uh, which also kind of lays the groundwork that they, these are not conventional clones and they sometimes they break the rules a little bit or, or are a little bit aggressive or, or whatnot, um, which is an interesting way to introduce Clone Force 99. Well, and, and not that I thought about it before, but now thinking about it as them being a special unit, right? A special forces unit that the Republic values more than even the rank and file, right? We put these guys in charge, and what do they do? They pull a they pull a Pong Krell, dude. They're just throwing clones straight at the problem, and yeah, they're walking out of it. But maybe not all them regs are like. Right. like be an interesting twist that they could have played down the road, uh, but you definitely get that feeling as you see the the aggression between. Uh, was it was it Kicks that, or was it Jesse that started to fight with them in the line? It was, I think it was Jesse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. I think so, the funny thing was Jesse. I think was first pushed him. It was almost like right there from the beginning when um, uh, who's the big guy again? Because I keep wanting to call him. That's Racker. That's Racker. Okay. When when Racker just sat there and just kind of like pushed him right before he got onto the gunship, you're just like. Okay, the tension's starting. Why? Nobody knows. It just ends up, that's the way he is, and this is the reg, then I'm just going to push him. And you could tell the tension started right at that point. Yeah. I, yep. I also like how they had that tension at first and eventually had to to work together. Um, let, let's let's talk about, we've talked a lot about you know our, our, our famili- fav- fan favorite familiar characters. Let's talk a little bit more about, about Clone Force 99, a.k.a the bad batch their their ship the havoc marauder uh lands on the platform tt397 and comes in hot yeah it comes in hot and <laughs> they, they made a statement and they they walk out in a what i thought was a pretty cool introduction and as we discussed they're very physically different and uh, have you know markedly different voices um mm-hmm. let's just go around like does everyone have a favorite uh, favorite uh, bad batcher, and why hunter? Hunter, yeah, okay. it's, it's oh, sorry, like hunter. hunter for me. Oh, sorry, well, sorry, hunter. Yeah, yeah, hunter. It's either hunter or crosshair for me. Okay, how come? Well, somehow crosshair reminds me a lot of um, oh god, I'm sitting here, Clint Eastwood, mm-hmm. just the quiet guy, uh, you know, and he's just the basically the man with no name, very few words, very good at what he does. And I like how Hunter is just like, you know what? He can sit there and get somebody at 10 clicks without any issue. Hunter, okay, yeah, I know he kind of looks like another celebrity thing and kind of has a thing. But I like the character because when it was Tech who sat there and said, look, you know, you, I like also how they introduced each one of the characters and they left Hunter for last. Mm-hmm. And with his quote-unquote special ability, because he can sense things, I find that very fascinating that a clone can be that sensitive to where if there's, let's say, a radio signal that's in a certain direction, he can feel it. And I love how it was, um, oh, God, Jesse, who sat there and mentioned, you know, you know, why don't we just go by a map? And it was it was um, Tech who sat there and said, because maps aren't necessarily correct. Mm-hmm. And Hunter is totally correct every time. He's never wrong. Yeah, it's so cool. Never wrong. Sense electromagnetic frequencies like that's a really unique uh, ability it, or an easy way to mask the force yeah <laughs> i mean i mean really you think about what palpatine was doing right i mean he's he's messing around trying to find ways to to create life and to you know have that army what what better way than to start tweaking with your clones 
and then be like, oh, yeah, it's electromagnetics. That's what he's messing with. And then just teach him how to tweak that field of the force, mm -hmm. you know, and make him an aspect. Or like how, you know, in Legends, some Jedi just were just better at certain things. Like Quinlan Voss even uh, with his touch things and, and the character from Force Collector. They touch things and they're able to get the biometric uh, details off of that and, and see the past of the object and stuff. Maybe that's Hunter's Force ability because they did something to the Metachlorians on his character. I mean, there's so many ways because they didn't tell us how they how they're different and how they're not you know up to regulation you know and, and it definitely experimented on i i liked that aspect of hunter because that was what i was immediately picking up on i was like well if, why not i mean if a jedi mm -hmm. can sense things why couldn't he just use those type of things to sense about it uh javin uh javin pax would would get like scent trails in different colors and stuff when he would sense certain things. So that made a lot of sense. Um, when you saw Clint Eastwood with crosshair, I saw Jason Statham. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, like the, the, the toothpick just totally brought Statham to mind and, and just, you know, he was always ready to just like every statement he had was like, I'll end you kind of thing. Like yeah, don't okay, even mess yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, end okay. you at 50 yards. Like you won't even see it coming. Yeah, uh, my yeah, guy yeah. was, I liked record just cause Record sounded the most like a regular clone in voice of the group. So so he had that familiarity, but he was a hulking behemoth compared to the rest. They were all different shapes. None of them, I think even Hunter was more strong physique than a regular clone as well. Yeah, he was but, more built. Yeah, but Wrecker was just massive. There's a scene after the Lardy crashes and Cody's pinned, and he grabs the Lardy and he lifts it up. And and not just how awesome it was for that character, but the, again, the details that we're talking about, how they popped out. You see the Lardy pilot dead, and yeah. when they flip it over, he's strapped in and his arms are flipping around and his neck's flipping around. I'm like, holy crap, the detail here, right before it blows up and stuff. And I'm just like, but he's got that <laughs> kind of okay. excitement that I just love. Okay, but he also had one to me the best comedic lines of the whole episode. Once right? he flips the Lardy op over and he's walking away, all of a sudden you hear him go, "Boom!" and the thing blows up behind him. <laughs> I mean, that that was totally classic. On top of the other line, it's like you know we got to get Cody out of there. We 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 got to help him out. It's like, uh uh, no, Wrecker's gonna move the laddie. We're not moving. We're not moving Cody. We're moving the laddie. Go to it. <laughs> you gotta appreciate a little bit of flair. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Was, I have to admit, though, during the story of that, I, I immediately questioned why when they came under fire, that pilot thought it was a good idea to climb out of the valley and pull up and expose <laughs> themselves. I'm like, you fly lower, dude, lower. <laughs> well, lower, I said lower. He didn't make it. Yeah. He didn't make it. Yeah. True, Steve, true. I guess he reaped what he sowed. Steven, did you have a favorite? No, I, I think I have to go with Wrecker as well. Yeah. Just I can't help but appreciate the enthusiasm that he shows <laughs> And brings to the episode. Yeah. I thought he was a, a little bit over the top occasionally, but not in a bad way. It's just he was definitely like he loved his his violence and his explosions. He loved his job. He did. He did. He, he takes great enthusiasm from his job. Um, okay. I'll, I'll actually think I'll go with uh, Tech. I, I really liked Tech. He's kind of the nerdy tech expert uh, who with a lot of useless or uh, useful knowledge. Um, you know, and I just love how each one's so different, uh, even more so than your normal clones. Um, there's, they're, they're all fantastic. I think Hunter's probably my second favorite, but I don't know. They're all, they're all great. And their color scheme of their armor, I think was one of the things that I loved the most because they all had that black armor with the little red flares and stuff. And each one's was, was uniquely characterized as well as being its own unique armor. Yeah. And they had the, the, um, the skull logo on all of their armor. 
skull icon even hunter like half of his face was basically a uh, a skull tattoo yeah uh yeah. they're all very interesting uh, really really cool really cool um so so yeah you you mentioned that you know they they get they get shot down in the ravine and oh man those those crystals flying up was just beautiful um yeah. it's really nice to see it fully animated like like uh mark said you finally see it fully animated instead of just like the story wheel of a laddie just sitting there nothing flying by and now you see with all that stuff flying up oh so beautiful yeah mm-hmm. and, and you know this i think was the scene that i remembered the most from the story reels for whatever reason uh um, oh good this is the one i was like oh yeah i remember i remember like maybe it was just iconic or or but I distinctly remember them gra- gra- grabbing the Ladai wing and yeah. Yeah. using it that. as a shield. And that shot of them all, like, there were actually a couple shots in here that I thought was, like, so cool. One of them was mm-hmm. of all, you know, all of them in their armor uh, holding the Ladai wing ready as a shield. And then another scene later when they come up the elevator and they're all, like, back to back and, like, you know, pointing yeah. their guns out. Like, both of those shots I just thought were so, so cool. One that I appreciated was when they uh, were rushing the droids, and I think, and it was Hunter sat there and said, "You know, spread out." I loved how you've got Wrecker holding that piece from the laddie. He turns, you see them spread out, but he continues his turn in the same yes. direction and then continues forward. It's not like he turns, goes back the way he came from. No, he just turns. They spread out, and he continues and keeps going yep. forward. I thought that was the most beautiful piece of animation in the whole thing. See, and really I, I thought out. they had one hell of a playbook for that same reason alone, because that's when, yeah. when Hunter goes, Bad Batch, Plan 82, Shockwave. You yeah. know, they go head first against him, and I'm just like, holy cow. And when he did that twist, that was the same thing, because I was like, I remember that wasn't, they didn't show that in the animation. I was like, right. wow, they really took this to the next level. They went full in, man. Yeah. Well, the yeah. other thing I loved about it is when they're battling the droids, they're pulling out knives. Or blades, and they're just—they're not so much using, you know, their blasters. But when they get close combat, they're just taking blades to these guys. And I'm like, whoa! Especially I, the one that I like is when they got to the command center, and I think it was Hunter was um, on one of the tables, and he just sat there and and just with his reaches behind and gets one of the command droids. Mm-hmm. Just unbelievable! Some of the some of the Hunt, stuff in this. Hunter has quite a few moments. That. Yeah, go ahead, Stephen. I was, I was going to say, Hunter has quite a few moments like that where you watch him work with a vibro knife instead of with a blaster. And the the animation as he kind of moves through the battlefield, I mean, it, it he lives up to his name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, and I kept watching that knife, too. I'm like, is it a vibro knife? Because cause like I said, that was one of Lucas's things was there was no vibro blades. And I'm like, OK, I know Filoni let him swing in Mandalorian. I, I full on saw the blade vibrating there and I kept looking and I couldn't quite tell. Like it was just done so well that I'm like, all right, hats off to Filoni. He put a vibro blade in the Clone Wars, but I don't know <laughs> if I ever saw it actually vibro blade. So but I'm going to go with it. And, I'm, and, and you went with it, too. So it's not just in my mind. I can I can <laughs> tell you, uh, Mark, it, they do call it a vibroblade in the um in the the so if we on disney plus you can turn on uh audio descriptions um okay and so like the subtitles read out what the characters are saying but the audio audio descriptions actually describe what you're seeing on screen and they call it a vibroblade so so do they call rector's gun a dc-17 because i swear that's the that's the republic no it absolutely is a dc-17 yeah (laughs) yeah i was was like and and we saw 
I think we saw the DC-17 in the yeah, right. episodes with the Republic Commandos. Yeah, as Gregor, I recall. Yep, yep. Yeah, so That's, no, and they, that was why I was like, I immediately dialed in on that one too. I'm like, okay, I recognize his gun. And then the sniper's gun looked like one of the ones from Battlefront, the, the first one, but I don't know if it's in Battlefront 2. But man, the, the fact that they were picking all those little details and putting them all in was just fantastic. glorious. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's it, uh, I just, the details. The details are just incredible. Uh, and that whole fight scene was so cool. I also liked how Tech was like calling out the location of battle droids while Hunter was throwing thermal detonators and like uh, sorry oh. not Hunter uh. Uh, Crosshair was uh, uh, throwing the thermal detonators and just sniping them out of the air. It was just oh, well, so so cool. That was except the, the one that got caught. Right? The one that got caught actually was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, no. Mark. Sorry to cut you off. Oh no. That- that that scene that you're talking about, William, where they were throwing the grenades and stuff, that was in the reels, wasn't it? I mean, I, it was. I don't think it was as detailed. No. Like, I think they only did it once or twice. No, I, uh, so actually, uh, uh, I didn't, I, I kind of skipped through the, the, the story reels a little bit. So it's, um, there may be some lines or like a couple, you know, extra frames that they added or something. But for the most part, aside from those couple scenes at the beginning, um, the rest of the episode is almost one to one with the story reel. Um, okay. As far as plot and, and everything else, and from what I can tell, most of the dialogue. Um, so, so yeah, I need you guys even the even the crazy something. camera angles, the beautiful camera angles. I saw some mm-hmm. reviews calling out like, "Wow, they're just kind of showing off now." Like it was it was great, but they were showing <laughs> off like how how good they how well they can do now. Um, I'm like, well, uh, yes, but those camera angles were there seven years ago. <laughs> Right, right. They filled in the details. Yeah, you know, it's just a lot. The yeah, the that's the nice thing. From the barracks. It's like having a really nice paint by color, and then you give it to an artist. It's like, here, hold my beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Now, I, I have a question for you guys about when we hear Echo's voice in the broadcast, and he's repeating his CT number over and over again. Right? Mm-hmm. Is that is that a plea for help from Echo that he managed to piggyback into the loop, or was that the algorithm? Because if that's the algorithm, I don't understand why his number being the algorithm works as an algorithm. I was confused about that part of the plot. It was because Tech asked who it was. Because they they had to the call, and he said, who is this? Uh, And that's when he responds CT-149. He started saying CT. Uh, Okay. Because remember, when when Tech first hacked into it, he just sat there and said, it sounds human. And you heard, basically, let's just say human sounds. And that's when Rex sat there and said, ask him to identify. Then you kind of heard it get away from the quote-unquote human sound. And then you slowly started hearing the CT number until it became crystal clear right before they had to leave the center. Okay, that's what I was missing. Okay. Yeah. I, that was that was perplexing the hell out of me. I'm like, okay, I just that's not... When you're sitting there doing the math and you keep carrying the one in the wrong dang field. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're you're talking about details. One thing I also really appreciated. Okay, so Rex, um, Cody had to end up staying behind with Kix because they were bringing in um, uh, a rescue crew to get him out. So when they were going to the first spot that they were going to attack, which was the the I forgot what it was, and I'm looking at the notes. The Not the cyber center, oh, no, but sorry, the place the out front of it. The outpost. The outpost. Yeah. When they were moving as a team to the outpost. Did you guys notice the detail of like a squad moving through that forest? How how it just it looked like you were watching almost like a Delta Force team moving through that forest mm-hmm. by way of oh, yeah. it was it was the touches were incredible. And, and what also worked was before Kicks stayed behind, 
Rex was sidelined because of the injury for Cody. He's yep. so concerned about his brother, mm -hmm. his commander, that it took him out of the game for a sec. You could say he recognized the leadership skills of Hunter, but I would also say that he got lucky that Hunter happened to be there and filled that role when it needed to be filled because right. then finally Rex kind of, you know, gets back to the mission and is like, Kix is going to stay here with him. We're going to go forward. But I remember up until that moment that he said that, I was like, wow, they really took Rex out of this. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to think, I'm like, is that new? Because I don't remember. And then, you know, he's like, well, Kix is going to stay and we're going to go. I'm like, okay, wow, that's great. And like William said, that was back there all that time. And I just totally forgot about it because of just the nature of it all. You know, we were on such a high for watching it there at Celebration. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> yeah, and then it's also, also, it's also it's we don't hard. go back to rewatch, so. Right, and it is a little bit harder to to, to focus on the um, the story reel itself because it's so unfinished. The sounds aren't finished. Like, the dialogue is finished, but a lot of the, the music, the effects, the um, all, all the sound effects, the, obviously the visual effects are not done. Uh, you know, the characters would, like, you know, basically be, mo they move a little bit, but mostly static. Like when they walked, their legs wouldn't move, right? They just like slide across the ground. So it's a little harder to remember, to really pay attention to the story. And especially all these years later, right? Well, in uh, that yeah. whole year aspect, there were people that were really upset about spoilers. And people were like, dude, this has been out for five years. <laughs> yeah, but at the same true. time, like the, the Utapau arcs, I didn't watch all those. I was, they were just uh, so unfinished. That I really just, I didn't go there. And yeah. I never went back. And, and like you said, Tom, didn't go back on Bad Batch either. Yeah. And I've got friends that they just, because it wasn't finished and they were just like, yeah, it, it, I'm not going to count it. So they never watched it. Yeah. So they never thought about it again. And then, you know, all these people are like, oh, it's five years old, throw stuff out. So that became an interesting dialogue on social media platforms as people were like, you know, and hey, this has been out there for a long time. Oh, by the way, Vader's is dead. And, you know, but yet. For some people, they, they just didn't even think about this. Once they had made that choice to pass on it, it mm -hmm. became something they didn't think about either. And now for them, it's something new. And I, and I was like all excited. I'm like, Disney Plus, new Clone Wars. And I'm like, wait a minute. I've seen this already? And then I was watching and I was pleasantly excited. I'm like, I don't remember seeing this at <laughs> exactly, all. Exactly. And then I saw those scenes. I was like, oh, God, this is, this is good. But we still have four more episodes before we get new stuff that we haven't seen in some right. form or fashion. Well, that's okay. I think this arc in particular is, is a really – it's nice that they went back and they, they finished it. Um, because it is, you know, it, it is the most true to Clone Wars. It's the, it's the, it's the battle. It's a great way to start it off, right? It's, it's a, it's a war arc, uh, to kick things it, off. It reminds me a lot of like the landing of Point Rain episode, which is yeah. similar. Like it's just, this is in the trenches with the troops, you know, trying to accomplish a mission that's relatively straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. Actually the, the flora and the, uh, this is the, the lighting on the planet reminded me a lot of the, uh, uh, Umbara arc as well, just in terms yeah. of like, you know, interesting. I would I would often think Felucia myself. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking the same thing, Mark. I was thinking Felucia as well. Yeah, it's it was like, like the, the Felucia, Felucia desert. Flora. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like it's like the 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 look of Felucia with the lighting of Umbara almost or something. Right. But that was good. good point. Yeah. One of the things I liked too was if I believe right, the last word spoke is he's alive, right? And the sentiment of of the hope of it being alive mm -hmm. also is a great fitting point for today with it closing off mm. the first episode of the new season. It being back. It's like clone wars is alive. And I thought that wow. was cool. It's kind of like the chewy we're home. I never, never made that kind of connection, Mark. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. That's never great. thought of it that way. That's fantastic. I, I did find it a little odd that tech didn't recognize that CT one four zero nine is a clones identifier. Even if you didn't know who it was, <laughs> right? Well, like, good dude, point. Don't you know that like well, CT is clone trooper? You know, <laughs> but you would think so. But it was, a but it, it may be out of context. 
like the idea that hey, this is a clone trooper is pretty out there, all things considered. Or he could be so smart that that was just that makes sense to him as well. He's like, well, Rex is saying it's probably somebody that knows my playbook. It's got to be something along those lines. Somehow, it's got to be somebody. Oh, it's the CT. Well, that makes sense. Clearly, yeah. Rex mm. will tell me. Yeah. Yep. Um, but so so first, I know, we, we talked briefly about the attack on the uh, the outpost. They attack the outpost, and from there, they spot the cyber center just a little ways away, protected by a relatively small uh, contingent of droids, about 30. Um, and they immediately head that way. And again, they like stealthily take out the droid scouts, uh, which is really cool. You know, like, we've got Crosshair sitting up there covering with his sniper rifle. Everyone else is sneaking through the, the forest and taking out the droids. Um, you didn't feel bad for the droids at all? Everyone no. in this I mean, they deserve no. it, but it was pretty I, cool. I, I had a moment when, when the really? two were talking. Like, and they're like, hey, did you hear something's going on? At the, and then they both get like attacked from behind and their heads get blown off. I'm like, you know, In particular, I do love that it's – Do you? Have, uh, I was going to say, do you ever wonder why we're here? The like, Do you think this is another drill? Like yeah. having that just yes. be a nice little callback? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, like, when? boom, like oh, no. people, and, and they're just getting slaughtered, like, damn. <laughs> and also, they're being made fun of because there is one other gag that Wrecker did pull when they they first started beating up the droids. He grabs that droid head and goes, "It was like, hey, hey, look, look, crosshair. I think this one likes you." <laughs> yeah. That's actually That's a pretty good, good impression. Uh, Wrecker impression. Yeah, yeah. And was it Kicks that had the uh, the head tattoo that says the only good droid's a dead droid? Oh, I love it! I love it. Um, so, so yeah, the trench. You know, he he brings in uh, reinforcements, Admiral Trench, um, and but you know, they they the clones are are able to make it inside uh, before the reinforcements arrive, and they're just basically holding off the 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 super battle droids until the until Rex and tech can 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 make the connection uh and, and figure out you know that there's a live signal coming from skeko minor mm-hmm. um I, I did love the moment though when they when they infiltrate the the cyber center you know text is sitting there trying to to open the back door and record just kicks it in like and it says boom <laughs> you, you take too long like that's pretty great well, and it's, it's classic well, also Star when, Wars, tech, right? when tech sits there and says oh this is going to be delicate yeah uh, it, it's classic Star Wars because you know people take too long or you know just shoot the com- you know shoot the control pad and and keep going like it's it's awesome. And we talked about earlier, but I, I again I loved just loved the camera work uh, during the infiltration of the cyber center. It's like one long shot and just keeps spinning around and just it really shows how how it, one incredible the show is technically and two mm-hmm. how good the the Bad Batch is and, mm-hmm. and rex uh, well also you gotta you gotta give a credit to the animation because did i not see jesse when they're holding off the droids from the front and they're getting ready to leave he comes in from the front door as he's being covered and he does this tumble as he comes in did you guys catch that oh, i missed mm-hmm. that he does he does like a somersault or he does like this roll as he comes through the door and then gets up fires back to the door and then takes off down the hallway mm-hmm 
Well, that's I mean, like when yes. they, they do the first Lardy scene when they get into the Lardy and they do the fly off, right? Yeah. I remember when we watched that on the panel, it was like just a, a, a flat line on the horizon and you see the Lardy click, click, click up and go off in like a horseshoe angle, right? Right. And then when you're watching it in the real time, Wrecker's the last one to get on. He spins around and he doesn't quite get on. He kind of like lets like the butt chaps of his armor kind of catch the edge as it's lifting yep. up. And you watch the Lardy take his weight. Like, yeah, oh yeah. my God, that detail. And then they go out over the valley of everything and just the background of everything was just so intense. And, yeah. and it was just, like William said, those things were planned, but when we get to see the final product, it's just like, whoa, yeah. dude, the love. Gotta, yeah. You could feel the love in every scene. Yeah. yeah, just just amazing. And again, that whole, I think William, you mentioned it, the whole one-shot tra uh, tracking shot of them going through the hallways with the droids right behind them on their heels. Just, I mean, just, just beautiful. Loved every minute of it. Yeah. hundred oh, percent. It's just, it's, it's so nice to have Clone Wars back. I mean, the episode ends, like you said, Mark, on a nice cliffhanger. It sounds like, <laughs> pardon the pun, uh, Echo is alive and, um, you know, they, they, they don't know for sure. But they they have his his number and he you know he said CT one four zero nine so it sounds like it's Echo, and um, they uh, they leave us with that before we wait for next week's installment part two of the four part Bad Batch arc. It's, it's going to be hard to wait till next week, honestly. But then again, we can go watch the story reels, but it's not going to be the same. Yeah, it's yeah, I, right, Stephen. I, was gonna say, I will say even more than Mandalorian, I really wish Clone Wars had released by arc, like especially since these uh, were. It, yeah, I like I enjoy the episode and I like it was good, but it was just it. I wanted to keep going because it's really like it's the first part of a very connected story. Um, yeah, I don't know. It. I would I have agree. loved to have seen. And I realized they can't because that would have been they would have been done very quickly. Yeah. But. <laughs> Well, well we just get to look forward to look, watching and binge watching it when it's all out. Yeah. True. yeah. Or instead of releasing on Friday, they release one Friday, then they release the other one Wednesday or Tuesday. Then they release a Friday, then they release a Tuesday. That way it's like a little bit more condensed. And then wait a little bit before you release the next arc and then do the same thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I, I mean, I get it from a, well, from a business standpoint, you, know, you stretch it out a little bit. I think we see, they, they clearly saw a lot of success. Uh, with this strategy on Disney Plus, um, with with the Mandalorian, and it's funny like the Mandalorian, I actually liked I loved how it was weekly, even though it was one continuous story. I really liked it being weekly, um, and actually a friend of the show Aaron uh, uh, Aaron Victor and I were talking about this uh, after the screening. Um, it, there's something about the Mandalorian I like the weekly nature, but with with the Clone Wars, I kind of wish you could do arc by arc. And I don't know if... I'd love to hear your thoughts. I don't know if it's because we've been... You know, it's been, what, seven years since the Clone Wars ended. We've been trained really since Lucasfilm started doing the screenings at conventions and stuff that, you know, these things mm -hmm. are be the best when watched as an arc. And so I don't know if it's just that, like, we're just trained to think of these as arcs and you watch them as in an arc. Or if it's the fact that they're 22 minutes and so 22 minutes is just a little too short for once a week. For stories yep. like this, or the fact Both. that they are so much more interconnected well, than the Mandalorian is, I don't know. What do you guys think? Stephen, go first. Yeah, I, I think it comes down to this was a show that was 
made in a time when it was meant for TV. It was we they only had 22 minutes. They uh, had commercial breaks that they had to insert. Like they designed the way Clone Wars was built from the ground up. As they like these were basic things they had to do, and as a result, they had no choice but if we want to tell longer form stories, we have to break it up. Mandalorian was designed from the ground up as we're going to do it on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. We can take as long as we need per episode. And so it let them build in more natural breaking points, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, in a way, like, this is going to be slightly odd, but like, I think Clone Wars was more ambitious than Mandalorian was. Like, Mandalorian would say, hey, we're going to do a 30-minute episode, and that's, that's the extent of this story arc. Clone Wars mm-hmm. was like, no, we need four episodes to tell this story. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I I, I think that's the reason it hurts Clone Wars is because, like I said, we've been they designed the show to be told in these larger arcs, and they were just by nature of how they were released, they had no choice but to do it this way. Um, and I wish they had, and I get, I they I, they couldn't because they'd have three arcs and then be done. You can't do a show right. in three weeks. Um, right. But that's I think that's where it comes from. Yeah. See, I I think. We are so used to watching the Clone Wars. We know that just about every episode, it's going to be a cliffhanger. Mandalorian really was not set up to have like a quote unquote cliffhanger of a show. Clone Wars has. We've watched this for how many years? We've got it back again. It would be great for them to release it by arc, but that's taking it away from what it originally established itself as. Mm -hmm. And they're just keeping it the way it is. Mm -hmm. To change it, I don't think it's going to change. It's not going to change the story much at all. It's not going to change the feel of it at all. But there's going to be something off if you get the full arc every time. Yeah, We were so trained to watch it as a cliffhanger when it comes to arcs. I have no problem with it this way now that I've brought it out and discussed it openly on the podcast. Yeah. I have no problem with it being this way. I'll wait till next Friday. The anticipation is there. Even though we've all seeing the story reels, the anticipation is still there to see next week's episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's funny, Tom, that you, that you mentioned that, um, you know, this, this show really is true to the original Clone Wars, uh, release, right? Uh, back in the day, we watched it on Cartoon Network and it was weekly. And remember, mm-hmm. it's all coming back to me now. Like, there were times we'd wait, a couple weeks in between episodes because oh, yeah, remember they have those mm-hmm. random breaks for no apparent reason. Um, yeah. And yes. this time it, from all, uh, all, by all accounts, like they're just going, they're not going to take any breaks. It's every Friday and we're going to get new episodes. Um, and so in some ways it's like a, it's, it's true to the original format of the show where it was weekly, 22 minutes once a week, but we're getting it at a higher fidelity. We're getting it, at a much higher quality. We're getting it mm-hmm. without ads, which was a huge improvement. Right. Um, Absolutely. You know, you don't have the Cartoon Network ads in between. You don't have the Cartoon Network's banners on top. Um, That's you know, right. There's no bugs. There's no little Disney Plus bug <laughs> in the well, corner. Well, go, go back, Cartoon though, Network. to season six, though, because we got season six all dropped at, at once. Yeah. And I think that's that's this is the deciding factor for me why I'm okay with the weekly release. I'd rather have the binge watch like they did with season six, but here's the problem. In two days, I'm done watching it, yeah, and I have done. nothing else. Exactly. No. I'm, I'm, out, I'm either out there not saying anything because I don't want to spoil my friends, or I'm being a D-bag, and I'm throwing spoilers at everybody who is taking their time or hasn't had the chance to watch it. Right. So you get to avoid a lot of that kind of drama and you get to now extend that that <gasps> yeah. 
Yeah. A and, lot longer because I mean, yeah, it's great to binge watch it all in one day and get that, that rush, but you can still do that later. You know, right. we get four episodes into this season and we're going to binge watch this first arc and get that experience. But we all know that that's where that's at with the Clone Wars because that's when it was always hitting at its best. Right. But yeah, I mean, it, it it's that, it's that aspect of it that made me okay. I'm all right. I can step back from the binge watch formula because I'm the bad kid. I'm the addict. I'm not going to be able to step <laughs> away from the table. I'm not yeah. going to have anything left and I'm going to mm. be looking at every Everybody else is gonna be legends all over again. Going, I want stories. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and sounds about right. You know, yeah. season six. I don't know. If, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but season six is the one I remember the least. Um, obviously, I remember like the Yoda arc uh, and the Order sixty six arc, but the details I remember the least of that entire season. Um, mm-hmm. Until I went back and rewatched it recently, because I think I binged it too fast. Uh, and I notice this with a lot of shows that I, I, if you binge quickly, I t- they all tend to blur together. And I, I feel like at some point you just start forgetting what's going on or not like almost half paying attention. Well, right. Season six, the, I, for me, the highlight was the fives episode. And for me, it was more just that last one with the, the lost lightsaber, the missing, uh, the missing master, whatever that one was, where we find out what happened to Sifo-Dyas. The Yoda one was weird, and so like I watched that one just because it's weird. But I really enjoyed the story of those two arcs. The 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 stuff going on with Padme and Clovis and and Jar Jar weren't really my favorite. So I think that's why overall I only really remember two stories out of that. See, I remember the Jar Jar one. I thought that was fun because he was paired up with Mace Windu. And actually, when can you see Jar Jar and Mace Windu together and Mace Windu not take his head off? Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, and I think that's part of the problem. Like it. They are great episodes. Yeah, they are. Um, but I feel like we remember them less. Yeah. I think that's because of the way they were released. Netflix style. Right. But I could be wrong. Well, and I think the way it's released is probably going to be why I'll rate this the way I rate it. Because I, I get caught up in the nostalgia of all of it. And it brings back happy memories of being at Celebration and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, we have to rate it just by itself, not by the arc. So, I mean, I think that that is going to be something that you're going to have to have reflect yeah. Because right. it's definitely going to be a lot stronger episode when you're watching it with the other four. Yeah. So, so are you that. making me feel bad that I gave it a rating already no, and no, I'm no, looking no. at you, it going, maybe it's a little too high? No, no, no. It's whatever you <laughs> feel, Tom. 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 Whatever <laughs> you feel. So How would you rate this, Tom? Yeah. How would I rate this? I'm sorry. I got to give it a 10, man. I mean, awesome. I, I I think, I you know what? I got to give it a 10. I'm happy the Clone Wars are back. I'm happy we're finally getting to see this episode finished. And I'm happy that Dave Filoni and Walt Disney Company, Lucasfilm, and everybody else let them finish these episodes. And we get to see the final season of Clone Wars. And I'm very happy that Dave Filoni gets to go out the way he wants to and gets to tell these stories the way he wants to finish finish the series. And this episode, to start out with, was very strong. And that's why I'm giving it a 10. And I am taking my 10 Womp Rats... And, you know, when they went up to the observation center or whatever it was, that first place that they the Bad Batch raided, um, the, the, there were actually 10 little womp rats that were stuck in there. And, um, you know, uh, Crosshair kind of, let's say he, oh, wait a minute, he was outside the thing. It was, um, oh, God, it was, there were 10 womp rats that were actually in, in the line of fire that didn't make it out. Done. <laughs> Mark, what are you going to give this? Well, I see. I I think about this on its own merit, and I think about episodes like Landing at Point Rain. I think about the Umabout, uh, the 
darkness on Utapau. God, I can't say it. The Umbar darkness, the darkness Pongkrell, whatever the heck that one was. I love that one to death. Uh, the Maldalorian episodes and stuff like that. Yeah, but that was Carnage of Krell, right? Carnage of Krell. That there was the go. one. Yes, that was, man, that, that and Landing at Point Rain were probably some of my favorite moments. So that becomes my, my 10 bench point, right? And mm-hmm. so for me, I would say this is a very good episode. And I wanted to lean towards seven. But then I'm like, oh, you know, when you stop and you think about the details that were added, those little tiny tidbits here, there, all the way through this episode, it definitely bumps that up. I'm going to go ahead and say I have got 8.5 Womp Rats here for these guys. And the problem is I would have had a full nine, but my Loth Cat got a hold of that uh, ninth one and ripped its head <laughs> off. So we got to go with the eight and a half. I, I, I mean, Tom, I feel you on the excitement level. I mean, on, yeah. on an excitement level, I'm at a 10. But I, I don't know <laughs> if I could say that this episode is up there with some of the others and some of the aspects. Like, I felt like some of the time with Rex, like, it just was very convenient for Rex to move the plot along that like he had the permissions he got when he did and stuff. So I, I couldn't go quite as hard, but I wanted to. I sure wanted to. Not a problem. I think your Lothcat needs to meet my Lothcat. Mine's been a little bit of a pain in the butt at work. <laughs> Steven. Uh, William, you want to go oh, next? Okay. Oh, sure. I, I, I can go. I can go. Um, well, it's be you or Steven. You know, I'll, I'll, I'm actually pretty much in agreement with, uh, with Mark. I think from an like I'm so so thrilled that Clone Wars is back, and this is a fantastic season opener. Um, it is true Clone Wars through and through. It it looks like the Clone Wars, uh, but but improved. It sounds like the Clone Wars. D. Bradley Baker did an incredible job, and like coming back and voicing characters, you know, seven years apart and filling in lines that you know seem completely seamless, even though they were nearly a decade, the better part of a decade in between when he recorded them. Um, so like it's, it's fantastic. I couldn't ask for a better return. This is the beginning of an arc. Uh, it's the beginning of a, of, of the bad batch arc. And so from that standpoint, I think I'm going to rate this, uh, on, you know, I have to rate it like you said, Mark on its own merits on the merits of the first piece. And it's the beginning of a story. Uh, and that's one of the great things about the clone wars is that you really do watch them like a story. And so in some ways it's kind of unfair to rate an individual episode when it's like taking, you know, the first uh, 30 minutes of Revenge of the Sith and saying, okay, let's rate the first 30 minutes. You know, it's it's the beginning. Um, it's the, you know, they, they haven't really gotten to the the, 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 the crux of the, of the plot yet. Uh, but it does stand alone, and it does a great job standing alone. And I think I'm really excited to see that Echo is apparently back. Um, you know, a beloved Echo. I remember we were all so crushed when he died. Um, and I it's 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 kind of like coming home you know and and seeing all the clone wars characters you know and love again i just i'm so excited for the rest of this arc i'm so excited to see what happens through the rest of the season uh it's a it's a short 12 episodes but we get more clone wars and you know dave filoni and 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 team they they brought it back for fans as he said he's doing that to to fulfill a promise to the fans. And so with that in mind, I'm going to give this uh, eight and a half Womp Rats out of 10. Um, again, just an incredible, incredible start. My eight and a half Womp Rats. Um, they're actually, you know, they, they were, uh, they were experimented on. Uh, they were, they're, they're like the rest of the bad batch. They're, they're defective, uh, but they have these desirable mutations and I'll leave it to your imagination to, you know, as to what these desirable mutations are, but, these, these womp rats are indeed a, a bad batch. 
I guess that leaves it up to me. Looks um, like it. Yeah, I don't have anything else to add. You guys nailed it on the head. That I think it's a great start to the season. Uh, I wish we could have gotten all the episodes at once. Such is what we get. Um, so I'm also going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. I was going between that. I was almost at a 9. I was letting my enthusiasm for Clone Wars seep in, but uh, <laughs> letting William and Mark go first has rained me back by oh, a sorry. half point. Thanks, man. No, I'm the only guy standing out there with a 10. In spirit, I'm with you, Tom. We are all um, with you, Tom. Right, we're all yeah, there. So my eight and a half Womp Rats, you know, we were talking earlier about what is it that makes the Bad Batch so different? You know, I think Tom, it was either you, Tom, or Mark who mentioned maybe there's some other uh, DNA thrown into the mix. And uh, it turns out when you add a little bit of Womp Rat in, you get some very bad <laughs> batches indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, I love it. Interesting. I love it. Isn't it so cool to have Clone Wars back, though? <sighs> mm-hmm. Uh, it is. I'm I just... mean, this, this podcast this podcast started with this show. Isn't that cool? It, it's it's just like coming home. It it is it's so nice. It's so so nice, and we just can't thank Lucasfilm and Disney enough for finishing. For finishing this this story, and you know we've still got eleven episodes to see how yep. it all ends, but I have a feeling it's going to be great. So I, I think that's it for this episode. But Mark, thank you so much for joining us. This was so much fun to talk with you. Oh, it's great. always a blast. I wish I was able to get on for uh, the Resistance episodes more, but I just have not been able to stay caught up on that show. That's okay. That's okay. And that's we'd okay. love to hear your thoughts when you when you do catch up. But we're so glad you could join us for this. It it, it really is like. You know, getting the the band back together. You were one of our first guests, and it's so much fun to to have you back on. Do you? I mean, I'm sure everyone you know probably knows what what you're up to. But for those who don't, do you want to share a little more about where they can uh, hear more from you? Yes, you know, I'm always at the Star Wars Report podcast. You can find me on Beyond the Films and anywhere out there with the Logical Rogue Two attached to it. Unless you play uh, PlayStation Four, that's usually my son. Aim for the head, shoot often. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's always fun. In fact, it's fitting because like I said, you know, going and seeing this with you guys at Anaheim was one of my highlights of my fandom. Uh, getting to share that with my son was one of the only things that I've got to share with my family that was one of the pinnacle experiences for me at a celebration. Um, you know, the other things like that, aside from getting to meet Mark Hamill with my wife and my family, I, I had to do most of it alone. So that was, that was really exciting to have him there and have him get just as much of a kick out of it because for him, Clone Wars, that was his entryway. So that was right. always an exciting time for him. Yeah. You coming down for Anaheim this year? Uh, you know, if I do, I'm just going to get there for Galaxy's Edge. Uh, it's, it's just so dang expensive. And I yeah. am with so many different things happening and family and stuff that had passed away and, and trips back and forth for funeral expenses took way much gas. Uh, so if I do, it won't be for the celebration or just be there to hang out with the people after the celebration's over. <laughs> mm, yeah, totally, totally understand. Uh, but it's so great having you on. Really appreciate it. And we'll have to have you back on soon. So, mm -hmm. uh, so next week, we have our review of The Clone Wars Season 7, Episode 2. Yes, The Clone Wars continue with a distant echo. In this episode, Anakin Skywalker, Rex, and the Bad Batch make a shocking discovery on Skako Minor. Can't wait. Dun, dun, dun. And yeah, so we will be back in, uh, in just a week with our review of Episode 
two. We'll oh man, just knowing what's coming and then thinking about this episode, what I didn't know was going to be filled in with the detail and thinking about what I'm going to see with certain things and certain characters coming up and then yeah. having the detail filled in is just, <gasps> can't even, I can't even, I, I have, I am just so excited for when it's going to see my eyes are going to feast upon the actual finished product. Oh my God. I, I wept and I'm going to weep again. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have yeah. So looking forward to this. Well, thanks again, Mark. uh, And we appreciate you joining us. And we'll be back next week with our review of A Distant Echo. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncanoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncanoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.